the NBA's draft decision deadline, or rather the NCAA's NBA draft decision deadline, a week away. Roster movement starting to come to a close, but lots to get to here as we preview that draft decision deadline and also break down some of the bigger roster moves here of the past week, like we've been doing every week since one shining moment last April. Uh, Brad, how are we doing? How are, how, how is the, uh, how's the month of May been treating you? Well, I feel very betrayed by Trilly Donovan. Oh, Trilly. I, I already put Lance Ware on the Providence depth chart. I already penciled him in. I, I was, I was looking forward to him being the starting center in 24-25. I was all bought in. He's going to rebound. He's going to dunk, block shots, do all this stuff. And the minute I saw that he visited Villanova, I was like, oh, geez, don't they have all that money laying around that they were offering Hunter Dickinson? It turns out most likely they did. Um, But he'll be a good sixth man for Nova. I saw some people saying he'd start. I'm not Sure, you want to start him and Dixon together and bring, I guess, Armstrong off the bench would be that proposed lineup. I'm not sure about that, but that was a huge blow because Lanceware was so much better than every other backup center option in the portal. It's not even close. Agree. Although, again, we're talking about 12 minutes a game. Yeah. Realistically. Maybe with where you could have played him some of the four. But, like, you know, if if you're saying, oh, you're moving on to Rodney Howard or you're moving on to, you know, Will McNair, you're moving on to whoever. I don't know that really at the margins, it's all that different. I do not want Rodney Howard. I've been playing around with Hoop Explorer. Um, and every, everything that I've played around so far with, with on the website has backed up my hypothesis I had coming in. So that just means that I'm going to keep using it and citing it more until proven otherwise. Uh, but so if you do Rodney Howard, now he was a starting center for most of the year for Georgia Tech, played about half the game. He, he's a 6'11", just kind of like a bruising glue guy big. He's not an athlete. He's a body. Yeah, he's a body. Yeah. Um, if you do against top 100 competition, Rodney Howard on-off splits. Right. Georgia Tech was 18 points worse per 100 possessions with their starting center on the court. That's like unfathomable. It is pretty wild. Because, okay, say that you do say that you play a 60 possession game. They were what? 10 points worse every game when he was on the court plays half the game. So they're losing five points by by playing Not pretty. As your starting center. Huh? Anyway. I, I have no way to justify that. Regardless, things could be worse. Things could be worse. You could be a fan of the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan loses Caleb Love late in yet another admissions fiasco for Jawan Howard. I've seen a lot of people citing it as the second year in a row. Um, obviously, the Terrence Shannon thing last year. One that was brought to my attention that I had forgotten about. Remember the no-gel Eastern era in Michigan, Brad? I completely forgot about it until our Syracuse correspondent, Patrick Wong, mentioned that to me the other day. 
I, I had totally forgotten because he th- that one was unclear if Michigan actually wanted him to begin with. Yes. He says I'm committed, right? And people knew that he wasn't going to get admitted via the admissions process. But that that was kind of our first experience with it at the time. Right. Well, again, so 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 the whole thing with this, and I got a bunch of heat on Twitter for saying like the Michigan admissions department is possible. Like, I mean, I I didn't mean it in the sense like Michigan should be letting these kids in or shouldn't. Like, I have no opinion on that really. Um, other than the fact that like other schools are able to get these kids in, but it is very clear that Michigan is not going to take kids who are three years into school and have not graduated because the number of credits that will be required to transfer would leave you, you you need more credits than you could possibly take in the short amount of time you're going to be there to graduate. And if you have no chance of graduating, then I'm admitting to school. Seems like a reasonable thing to me, but there's no doubt. And, 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 and the blame sits probably at least 50% on Jawan Howard for not being more cognizant of this. Like you recruit Caleb Love early and then you walk your, like you build your, you build a huge team around this. Like the whole the whole idea of Michigan next year is like Caleb Love's going to put up shots. All of a sudden now, Michigan looks to me like a team that could be in the bottom three of the Big Ten. Well, so here's here's the thing as well because I think a projected lineup for them right now would also have Namari Burnett in it who, as you mentioned, is in the same boat um, as some of these other transfers where he played, right? He played one year at Texas Tech and two years at Alabama. Is that right? Yes. But he also, without a mental health waiver, has to sit anyway. So I don't know what's going on there, but that's that's a very shaky piece. And it looks like he would probably be your second or third best player on paper. And, right, like, like a projected lineup right now for Michigan of about Doug, Daniel, Doug Daniel at the one, maybe Llewellyn at the two, Burnett at the three, Jackson at the four, and Reed at the five. Yeah, and then your bench is George Washington, Yo-Yo Kayat, Terrence Williams, Will Cheddar, and Jace Howard. Yeah, you basically have nine scholarship players. Jace Howard's not a scholarship level Big Big Ten player. You basically have nine scholarship players. One of them might not be eligible. You've got two point guards, both of whom were inconsistent last season. You've got neither big as like a guy you're going to run your offense through. You've got Namari Burnett, who was a good recruit, never done anything in college. Like, this is bad. And I know they're involved with Olivier Kamua. I will Visiting stand by my 2nd. reporting. What's up? Visiting on June 2nd for Charlie Donovan. But West Virginia is also in there, and I'm not convinced that he's not just going to turn pro. Like, I, I would not consider Michigan a favorite here. And I'm not also really sure what Olivier Kamala does for this team. I mean, yeah, he's a better player. He's seriously your best player. <laughs> but it it doesn't feel like the gaping hole, like, offensively. I mean, Olivier Kamala's highs are really high. His lows are really low. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're going glass half full on, on this Michigan team, You'd say, okay, McDaniel and Reed were both top 75 recruits. They got a lot of run this past year at at the one to five. Guys like Cheddar played a fair amount. 
Llewellyn was a starter before he got hurt. Williams has played a ton. I know people hate him. He's not been good. He never took that step forward. But he has the pedigree, and he's played a ton. And then Trey Jackson can stretch the floor. He's a great athlete. And people were raving about Yusef Kahat prior to his time at Michigan. So you have you have the pieces that could break right. But break right, right? Let's say that McDaniel and Reed take a huge step forward and, and, and they're your two best players. You're, you're still pretty short on talent. You know, you're relying on you know Trey Jackson to be higher in the pecking order than he was on last year's NIT Seton Hall team. Right? Llewellyn's coming back from injury. You don't know what's going on with Burnett. So they're really, you know, they need two or three more starting level guys to even be able to consider them like a bubbleish team. But then the the other issue is after what and and uh, unfortunately I'm gonna have to mention this every podcast, but after what Kansas State did last year with a terrible roster on paper, what Iowa State did the year before, you always kind of have to be like, well, what if Everything just works out, which is a terrible, uh, terrible thing to do in a conversation. Right? It, it's just kind of throwing your hands up and saying, well, anything can happen. But it's kind of required at this point to mention it. Well, I, again, like, I, I think you're right in the sense like every everybody on this team is pretty much like a top 100-ish recruit. Like, stranger things have happened, but like they just really need impact. And if the reports that Michigan's NIL is pretty far behind are to believe are to be believed, like I'm not sure where you're getting, right? Like maybe you have money for one Olivier Kamua, but you have money for two. And if you do get Olivier Kamua, like what does that solve for your team? Right? Like I mean there's a world where this team winds up in like more closer to the middle of the Big Ten, but like, you know. It's not better than Illinois as long as Shannon comes back, regardless of the Ray J thing. It's not better than Indiana. It's not better than Maryland. It's not better than Michigan State. It's not better than Northwestern. It's not better than Ohio State. It's not better than Purdue. It's not better than Rutgers. It's not better really than Wisconsin. Like you're talking like Penn State, Michigan, uh, potentially Iowa, who I probably like a little bit more, and, and Nebraska as at the bottom outside of Minnesota. That's that's a scary thing for the kind of program trajectory. And again, I, I don't think Juwan Howard's a bad coach. Like, obviously this year was not great. Obviously there's concerns about like the general direction. There's more to it than just Juwan, right? Obviously the NIL has been discussed at length. The, um, gra- you know, the, the, the admissions department has been discussed at length. But at the end of the day, right, like you just have to be smarter. And this is a guy, right? Like, Juwan Howard has Phil Martelli on his staff. Juwan Howard has Saudi Washington on his staff. We've been around John Beeline for a very long time. Like, like these types of – like, they're making a lot of rookie mistakes as a staff right now. And this is not a rookie staff. Um, and it just does not – you do not get the warm fuzzies when you look at, like, where this 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 program is at the moment. And it's hard to, like, sit sit here if you're – like a neutral observer and be confident that it's going to turn quickly. Well, here, here's the thing too, is, I mean, truly Donovan was on Twitter, very confident that Caleb love was not going to be on Michigan. Yes. Presumably he knew 
about the admissions scandal, or, or not scandal, but uh, snafu, right? Like, what else? Like, he wouldn't just be like, I'm just really confident Caleb Love's going to change his mind. Agree. So, I mean, shout out to, you know, kind of random Twitter sourcing. You know, no one loves that more than I do. But the the idea that he would know, but either Michigan knew about it and just thought it, it, it would work itself out or, or, or what, but it seems like that was a pretty open secret. And, and it wasn't like that they were able to, you know, put a backup plan in in into motion over these few months as as you mentioned they added love pretty early right so, so the whole thing was pretty confusing but and, and michigan also i mean look Mich- michigan was somewhat i think slow to the uptake with dickinson like michigan was michigan stayed kind of in the hunt with hunter to the point where like it was a discussion of like caleb and hunter playing together like that was part of the sell and like, it just seems – it seems to me like Juwan's not being proactive enough. And it's going to leave them in an interesting spot. And missing the NCAA tournament two years in a row at Michigan, which is kind of what they're staring down right now, is it's a big deal. But kind of switching gears to Caleb Love himself. Yes. My first thought is that Rutgers should just smash that panic button and grab Caleb Love. No. Can you imagine a less Steve Peikley player than Caleb Love? But they need some pop after losing Spencer. And at this point in the process, where where are you going to find the pop? I got to say, though, that that Cam Spencer news was, like, perfect for Friday, man. It was, like, 11 o'clock. I'm, like, ready for lunch. And boom, we get the Cam Spencer news. And then uh, Aunt Aunt Wright did his spaces. That, That took me right up through lunch. That was perfect. So, yeah, let's, let's talk Cam Spencer. Um, the there's been a lot of like speculation reporting about like, oh yeah, Georgetown tampered. Georgetown's getting Camp Spencer. Like, to my knowledge, that's not true. Like, I I do 100% believe that he was presented with numbers that he couldn't resist. That you know he was given he he got a good sense of his market. But like, there has been a picture painted that like one. He's set to go to Georgetown and two that like he was given a number by a school and that's where he's going. And like from sources very close to the situation, that's not accurate at this point. Um, and the Georgetown really isn't even involved in the sweepstakes. So where's all this Georgetown stuff coming from? Because we had obviously this, uh, we had a Georgetown was tampering with Isaiah Miranda rumor we had obviously from the start of the season, uh, the start of the off season, that Georgetown was tampering with Hunter Dickinson and Justin Moore, and you know, as as a longtime Providence fan, Cooley's staff didn't really seem to be leaking a lot of information in terms of like who the targets were. You know, they at least they seemed to be pretty, you know, buttoned up and kind of holding their information close to the vest when he was at Providence. Is he now just like spreading crazy rumors or like, where, where is this coming from? My guess is it's coming from Georgetown NIL people who don't actually know how the process works, right? Like for instance, Georgetown NIL people are like, Oh yeah. Like we heard camp Spencer's available. And then 
and we talked to Cam Spencer's representative, whatever. And then just very quickly, it's like, yeah, I think we're getting him. You know, it's like, no, like you're not. Oh, so cool is saying the NAL people like we need X dollars for Cam for Cam Spencer, and and they're like, oh shit, we're getting Cam Spencer. That they're that like missing a step. That could be it. That's my speculation. Um, the one the one destination I will kind of speculate on with Cam, and one that I've heard is at least somewhat in the mix, uh, is UCLA. UCLA is another team that could use some pop. They've got a lot of these kind of interesting players, younger talent. Um, you know, these international pieces that they've added, including a new one, Jan Viday from Slovenia. It's a big time scorer, but they could use like a proven shot maker, a guy who's played college basketball, guy who will defend. And that's Cam Spencer. And, and if you're looking for a connection, UCLA last offseason hired international recruiter extraordinaire Ivo Simovic who is most credited for, and we've mentioned this on the pod before, recruiting uh, Santi Aldama to Loyola, Maryland, and Philip Petrushev to Hartford. Um, Hartford, the coach, the coach who quit because Kevin said that his team was the worst team in the country in the preseason. Got they got it. an NBA caliber player to commit there. Correct, because of Evo. And Evo... Uh, has them getting, you know, involved. They got them Jan Vide, got them the French kid that they have signed. Fibillet? Yes. Has them involved with one of the best big men in all of Europe, Ade Mara. Um, we'll see if that one comes to fruition. But Evo is at Loyola, Maryland with Cam Spencer and has a relationship there. So that would be the, that would be the destination that I think is probably like most likely if it all happened today. But the, the the sweepstakes with him is not nearly as cut and dry as like the as like the Twitterati believes it to be. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean UCLA. So they have four guys who are in the draft. Hawkes definitely gone. Campbell, it just feels like he's gone based on the vibes, but he he's obviously not getting drafted. Amari Bailey. Came on strong late in the combine, I guess. He Amari Bailey up. was a good example of a guy who didn't actually play that well, but put up a lot of stats because he had the ball in his hands the whole time. And people were like, oh, my God, Amari Bailey's good because people don't know how to scout. Well, it seems like he's going to get drafted. Probably. No, Amari Bailey's not coming back. He's not going back. The only uh, guy chance of coming back is Clark, and I don't think right. Clark is coming back. That just leaves Jalen Clark, who is currently injured as well. Um, from that late season injury. So we'll see if he's even ready. But, and, and then Bona is, is still in there technically, but I think people think he's coming back. Correct. So if we're running out next year, let's say Dylan Andrews at the point, great, great recruit going into sophomore year. You got Stefanovic. You have Spencer. If, if they add him, obviously. Um, and then if Clark's healthy, he starts at the four and then Bona at the five. Probably a top 25 team. Yeah, it, 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 it's so dependent on these international players. Yeah. Right? Like, Fibule and, and Viday are, like, very well regarded, and their stats are good. Viday um, especially. Oh, yeah. According to Gavoni's tweet, yeah. Right, right, UCLA and Arizona are just competing in the battle of Gavoni's. 
Like there's this, there was a seven two guy that was just hanging out there for somebody to get, and, and then Arizona gets him, and it's like, uh, oh yeah, this guy's actually one of like the best prospects in the country or something, or, or best best ones in in the continent of Europe, I guess. I I think that they're gonna slot him as like a top one hundred recruit. I saw uh, Fibule they slot as like a top fifty recruit. These guys literally just fall out of the sky, and it's like, does every team even know that these guys are out there? Anyway. Unclear. What were you saying? Sorry. Well, cut you off. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, like UCLA's got a lot of interesting pieces. They don't have a lot of like role allocation. Um, they've got like some freshmen too, like Sebastian Mack and Devin Williams, who people seem to like, and Brandon Williams as well. Yeah, I believe. Um... Devin Williams is kind of like a more of a long-term guy, very thin, right? He 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 was like a top 75 recruit. But yeah, Mac was a top 75 recruit. I think Brandon Williams was a top 100. We just mentioned Fibule moved into top 50, um, and then they'll have Will Will McClendon as well, who played some more this year, former top recruit, kind of like a athlete glue guy on the wing, so. Um, yeah, that'll be a fascinating team to follow. Um, meanwhile, Arizona took a non-Gavoni this week with Kashad Johnson beating out Kentucky and a long list of other suitors. Um, I think so, – so so the history with him, obviously, he was a starter on the San Diego State team that made the Final Four when with the National Championship game. Known as a really good defender. Was a guy that, like, out of high school and, like, early in his college career, there was a lot of, like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy could be an NBA player. Look, he's so big. He's so athletic. He can do, like, he can do a little bit with the ball. Like, that, the offense never came. Now, in his defense, San Diego State's offense is just, like, a brutal watch. Like, they do not run good stuff. If you ask people in the Mountain West, if you talk to coaches, they were, like, they were floored to see San Diego State in the National Championship game only because – their offense is just so bad. And I'm not sure you could design a better offense for a Kashad Johnson than the Arizona offense, where he's going to be flying up and down the floor, uh, dunking everything, right? Rim run, grab it. You know, at the most offensively, you're going to ask him to do in terms of skill level is just like kind of catch it at the mid post and rip and drive, right? Like this is not an offense that's going to force him to do it, make a ton of decisions, make a ton of plays. Like he's just gonna get to play, you know, get get to go play. Now, you know, so so I'm a big fan of this pickup. I think it fits well. Um, I do worry a little bit about shooting. Um, we've talked about this in the past, right? Like Bala's not a spacer. Jane Bradley's not really a spacer. Kashad's really more of a, you know, he's, not, he's never shot over 30% from three in his career. So you're putting a lot on Boswell and Pell Larson. You know, you're 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 Mr. Kylan Boswell, Brad. Um, and then they've got these international kids with. Morauskas and Krivas, as well as, you know, some sophomores who could make a jump in Henry Vesar and Philip Barova-Cannon, you know, guys like that that they need to step up. But I think all things considered, you probably feel pretty decent about where Arizona landed on its feet, considering, you know, a month ago things were in a bit of turmoil after the Nembhard situation. Yeah, people were freaking out. They wanted to fire Tommy Lloyd. But they were they – were, they were doubting him, and I guess we'll see how these international guys turn out. But the Johnson-Balo front court should be super physical, should be super imposing. 
that's a great fit there for them. And they just need like a, a scoring guard off the bench who can shoot it. I'm not sure that that guy really exists. Maybe uh, Zion Poland, maybe. Um, uh, options are dwindling. Maybe they can knock somebody into the portal. Um, we were talking prior to the show that the Jesse Zarzuela going to Oregon, that has more dominoes. It's got to be because Oregon has, in their backcourt, they have Cuisinard and Bartholomew, who I think are both 50 year or final year guys, grads. They added Jackson Shellstad, who's one of the best freshmen in the country. They added um, a Brendan Rigsby's back, who, who might be a grad as well. He's been around for a while. And they had Kerry O'Quinta, who's a grad. So they they totally uh, you know have like four transfers in their backcourt now. So maybe one of those guys can uh, migrate down south to Arizona. Yeah, the, the Jesse Zarzuela commitment was very odd for Oregon. He's a guy that had kind of kicked around the portal for a while and seen his interest really heat up in the last couple of weeks as other options came off the board. By the way, a smart tactic. But I think there were places he could have went that he was considering that he would have had a pretty substantial role. But Oregon, like, I'm just not sure anyone really would predict that he's better than Quendo or Bartholomew or Cousinard or – you know, I mean, even Rigsby was kind of in the rotation. So, you know, this is an interesting move for him. Jesse Zarzuela, a guy who's been, once he gets to Oregon, will have been at six schools in five years. Two JUCOs, UTEP, Coppin State, Central Michigan, and Oregon. He's pretty much checked off every every region of the, of the country, every level of college basketball um, with this move. But, I mean, he, he can score. Like, he's a good kind of microwave off-the-bench scorer. It just... The need doesn't necessarily feel like it's there. I think this is a good segue to something that we we or I I have been alluding to the past few weeks. So we've been talking about these guys that are just pushing all their chips into the middle. They're just getting every transfer they can. Screw roster hierarchy. They're just it feels like that they feel the heat. They're a little desperate, and they just want. As 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 many good players, many good options in in the mix as possible. Um, so I came up with eight guys who I, who I think are these all in guys. I guess the question would be, out of these eight, who 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 of these guys will this strategy work for? You ready? Yes. Matt McMahon. LSU, right? Wes Miller at Cincinnati. Kevin so the Keats first two, I would say, are not really on the hot seat right now. But but they are, you know... They're trying to avoid being on the hot seat, basically. Right. We were talking Wes Miller. Well, they got Aziz Bandago. Yeah, we'll mention that in a second. Okay. Um, Kevin Keats and Mike White. Yep. Mike Boynton and Johnny Dawkins. Yeah. And lastly, Dana Altman after this and our uh, Rob Rob Lanier. SMU. I think all I think the common thread is that none of these teams really have like a clear role allocation. Exactly, yeah. Like well well I think but I think that's part of why that they've taken all these guys. Is that they don't with the exception of I mean you mentioned SMU, 
who has Zurich Phelps, but they just need a talent so badly. Like, for the most part, a lot of these teams have a bunch of, like, third and fourth best players. And so, you know, you're never totally sure do you have enough talent, right? Like, when you're – you know, I'm, I'm looking at my Big 12 Jeff chart right now, so let's see if I can find a, a good example here. You know, when you're – all right, yeah, like, like if, you're, if you're Kansas, right, you're pretty happy if you – you don't feel like you need to fill all 13 scholarships because you have a star big man, you have a traditional point guard. Now you're looking for, like, role players to fill it out, right? If you're Cincinnati, you're like, well, we've got all these, like, w- interesting wings with Rayvon Griffith and Lukosius and C.J. Frederick and Skillings. We've got a bunch of, like, athletic, long bigs in Lockin, Bandego, Reynolds, who's not really athletic, Oguama, even, like, Sage Tolentino. You know, you're, it's, it's very tricky. So they've, they, they, it's been much more best player available than fit. No, I, I agree, definitely. But, like, that's, that's kind of, like, what we're saying, right? It's like yeah. Cincinnati doesn't just add – C.J. Frederick for, for some wing shooting. They also add Lacocious, right? They don't just add Jameel Reynolds for a physical big. They also add Bandago, who, who both those guys need need waivers. Um, I don't know what the odds are that one would get it and one wouldn't, but that's that's what kind of stood out to me there. And, like, really, no one is going after three-star freshmen. I mean, I think less and less every year. Uh, yes. I saw Spencer Mahoney, who's a three-star. He's visiting Washington State next week. Um, but, like, these teams that have open spots, at least not yet, they haven't di- you know, d- dived into that market yet. Agreed. Uh, on that Aziz Bandego pickup for Cincinnati, one, Aziz is – if any ment- if any player gets a mental health waiver, it should be Aziz Bandego. If if we work on the assumption that Twitter notes are reality, because that man has been very very public in saying he has mental health issues. So I think there's an assumption that he's going to be able to play. He should really be allowed to play. Again, the idea that. Like the, the idea that a kid whose coach gets fired or or coach leaves doesn't doesn't get the player right away is, is crazy to me. But regardless, like Fandango enters the portal and it's like, oh my God, look at all the teams that could use a big, right? You know, Illinois wants a rim run big, you know, Duke wants a backup center, like all these teams want bigs. And he's like, you know where I'm gonna go? I'm gonna go play with Victor Lockin, Jamil Reynolds, Odie Oguama. All guys who could play like the four and the five. Wes is fully in on the bully ball. Aziz is open, it seems in in on the you know slightly smaller role. I mean, I think there's a good chance he starts. But you know, I, I I'm not sure how much this changes the ceiling because I think the same questions about Cincinnati are there today as they were with without Aziz. No, no. That doesn't mean that he doesn't help them. He makes them a little bit better defensively, a little tougher, a little deeper. Um, but, like, the question with this team is shot creation because I love Rayvon Griffith. I really like Seamus Lukosius. Lockin's really good. Bendigo can play. Assuming Jamil Reynolds is eligible, he's also a, a second-time non-grad. 
he's a you know proven you know high major caliber big guy. Oguama, same deal, right? Like they've got the bodies. What they don't have is like a guy who can create offense for themselves, other than two very unproven guys and Jizzle James and Davion Thomas. Those two guys determine whether Cincinnati is a tournament team. And heck, maybe Cincinnati can just bully their way to it, right? Like they were 50th in Ken Palm this year. Now they were closer to 70th down the stretch until like a late run in the NIT. But like th- this team was not that far away, and this roster is a lot more talented. Question is how will it all fit together? Absolutely. And you know, we see with Mississippi State, you know, bully ball in a TCU, you know, playing those two bigs and just go, going to get misses off the offensive glass. That's a viable offense. And if you play two bigs, your defense is probably going to be better. Now I know like um, that that was always the conventional wisdom. I remember some of the Avery Johnson Alabama teams played that way. And like some of the Frank Martin teams, but like this past year, like Xavier with Fremantle and Nunji in Arizona with Balo and Tabellas, their offenses were way ahead of their defenses. Um, so I wonder if that truism is still true that if you play two bigs, your defense is going to be better. But there's there's definitely an offensive path with Duckins and offensive rebounds and just general physicality. Yes, you just have to bully people into into submission. Um, let's see other moves lately. I I can start. Oh, oh how about this one? This this was a pretty deep pull. Um, Chad Baker Mazzara to Auburn. Oh yeah, he was a former San Diego State, and that's that's where you, you would probably know him. He was a, a role guy, like sixth or seventh man on. A tournament team a couple of years back, and then he was at Duquesne before then. Really good shooter, shot the lights out in JUCO. Shot like 47 percent from three in JUCO. I mean, this is the this is the classic JUCO thing, is that like a mid a, a okay like Missouri Valley Mountain West type player goes to, winds up at JUCO because he gets in trouble, he balls out on everybody, and then he goes high major. I mean, we did this last year with uh, who's the kid at Missouri? Nick Honor? No, not Nick Honor. Sean East. Sean East, thank you. Like, Sean East was like a nine-point-a-game A-10 player. And then he was like a seven-point-a-game player at Bradley. And he's like, oh, shoot, I got you know, I, I to transfer again. He goes, junior college. And and, and all of a sudden, Mr. Uh, like, and now he's a superstar. Like, I mean, this is like a fine take. Like, I have no issue with Chad Baker as like the ninth man at Auburn. But, like... It was like completely off the board. Like really off the board. Yeah. Did, like, anyone even remember like, that he tweeted yeah. like that day, like, yeah, Coach Calipari just called me. So grateful. You're like, what's happening? And then Bruce probably uh tur- turned up the heat right there. But Auburn, I mean, Auburn has a lot of interesting guards, not a lot of proven guards. Right? It's Trey, Trey Donaldson, Aiden Holloway, Denver Jones, Shaney Johnson is like a wing. They've got Janai Broom in the draft. Janai Broom had a 20 and 10 game in the combine scrimmages. I still think he'll be back, but like that's gotten a little dicey in our If not, they got to, I mean, they'll be okay. And they have Dylan Cardwell, who we both are very high on as a backup center. Seems like they're in on Malcolm Dandridge as well as Broom Insurance. Seems like a reasonable thing to do. But now, pe- people that, you know, have, 
have been alluding to this mystery SEC big man that could hit the portal. The idea was that that was Tolu Smith, but he's staying at Mississippi State. Yes. Is that where it dies, or 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 could there be more big fish hitting the portal? I think there still could be a few. I mean, obviously the I mean I, it's not really a center, but like Kobe Brown continues to be the name that people talk about, and that staffs are very invested in trying to recruit. Um, one of the main kind of rumored destinations for for Mr. Brown has been Alabama. Yeah. Um, Alabama now is even in even more dire need of front court help after Charles Bediaco somewhat surprisingly um, stays in the draft. It seemed like Alabama was even blindsided of this. They were involved with Papa Conte. They kind of slow played it because they thought they'd have Bediaco back. Papa Conte goes to Pitt. All of a sudden, like the guys who play the four and the five on Alabama right now are Sam Walters, Muhammad Diabate, and Nick Pringle. That's and it. Pringle came on late. Walters and Diabate are top 100, but they need two guys here. Yes. Um, and so maybe you know you mentioned if if Kobe Brown hits the portal, um, you know Arthur Kaluma could work here. You mentioned Malcolm Dandridge; he could work here. So they. Um, I want to say Ekbayudo, Ek but it's a er, Ernest Uday could also work here as well. Yeah, they they just they need a center, and I'm, the biggest thing I'm kind of concerned with, Brad, is you know a, a huge part of like a, a substantial part of like what made Alabama so good defensively last year was that deep drop coverage with Clowney and Bediaco. Bediaco just swallows everything at the rim. Now Pringle like has the upside to be a pretty darn good shot blocker. I mean, he blocked 15 shots in less than 300 minutes. If you look at kind of the rate statistics, like he was a high block stat guy, but it was less than eight minutes a game. We really don't know what it scales up to, like what he can be as like a 25 plus minute a game guy. You know, what's available right now, like, there's very little offensive firepower, and there's very little, like, truly elite length, you know? So, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm worried. I really am. Would you be in on them getting Arthur Kaluma? Yeah, I mean, whatever. You'd give them another guy. I mean, I think he'd fit them pretty well. They have so many ball handlers. And you do not want Kaluma taking more than two dribbles. I've said that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that. That has been my motto since Maui. Or just <laughs> whenever he starts dribbling, just head down the other, uh, the the other end of the court if you're Trey Alexander or Ryan and Mark. Just, he 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 is such a slow processor of the game, which is a shame because he's he's not a bad shooter. He's a very good athlete, an excellent defender. He's like a very useful player in a position of extreme scarcity, but he's just, he's just a tough guy to have in there for whatever reason you watch Creighton and you're like, you know what, let's, why don't we take Kaluma out now? You know, let's, let's go with Farabello here. Just, just someone who's not going to try to do crazy stuff. But yeah, I mean, Alabama finding out on, on Betty Yako late is brutal. I mean, Think about like the number of bigs, even like just recently that have kind of come off the board, or like guys that like could move now. I mean, you still could like could Makai Mitchell, 
you know, be like, all right, I'm not really going to play it at Arkansas. I'll just go to Bama, right? Like, that worked. I mean, Jalen Graham, same thing. Like, what's Jalen Graham still doing? Like, Mikel Mitchell is out there. Is he? Yeah. Is Mikel Mitchell eligible? I guess if Mikai would be, they should be. Well, so this is going to be Mikel's and Mikai's fifth year. They did a year at Maryland, which may have been cut in, into just a semester at Maryland, if, that, if, if memory serves. Uh, and then they did two years at URI, and then one year at, Alabama, at uh, Arkansas. So in theory, they're eligible. Like, like you, you kind of assume that every player who's on his fifth year has graduated. Like I know like Croswell, who was a fifth year, obviously at Providence, he just graduated now because not, not all of his credits transferred over from LaSalle. So people could be in that situation as well. I know one guy out there who's just like a big uh, anchor, right? Uh, David Muwoka from UNLV. I mean, he was three years at Lamar, one year at Vegas. So He's a very good defender. Yeah. And, and he's huge. So. Yeah, guys like that. We we assume that the McKell... Mikel Mitchell and those guys can play, but is you don't know for a hundred percent certain. We'll see. I mean, I think obviously Bama in a difficult spot. You want to build on this momentum um, from being the overall number one seed, but right now, I mean, this is much closer to a bubble-looking team than anything else. Um, what other moves do we need to discuss here on this week's pod? I mean, this one's a little uh, presumptuous, but given Omax Prosper's stellar combine and then sitting out day two, it's safe to assume he's gone. Again, position of scarcity, and he has more versatility than Kaluma. He's a better shooter. He's a better role player. He's a flat-out better player than Arthur Kaluma. Yeah. Like, and it was obvious. Like, I mean, I was at the game in December when Marquette beat Creighton for, I think, the sixth straight Creighton loss. Like, mm-hmm. It was just so obvious that day that, like, Omax is just a better player and a better prospect than Arthur Gillum. But So it seems like Omax is gone and, and will be drafted and get a guaranteed deal. So that's at least a nice consolation to losing. A guy who, who, who people would say would be their fourth best player. Um, that, that's probably what they said coming in, you know, you know, on May 1st, I think people would say, Omax is Marquette's fourth best player behind Oso, Kolek, and Cam Jones. Um, and now David Joplin's very good. He was sixth man of the year in the conference. He can really score, can really shoot it. He'll step into the starting lineup. But Marquette still needs that, like, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, multi-positional, you know, can play three positions, can be a wing defender type. And those guys do not grow on trees. And so the three guys that I had identified as up, Okay, maybe Marquette can take a swing at this guy. Had Kaluma, which I don't know about moving within conference. He obviously, as as, as we just detailed, does not have a feel for the game, or you know, is not as good of a player as Omax. But in the portal, that that would be striking gold. Um, this the second option I found was Jalen Moore from Georgia Tech who will give you none of the shooting that Omax did. Jalen Moore was a zeroth percentile catch-and-shoot guy, um, which was kind of incredible. Uh, but 
he's like a six seven four man who's a good athlete. I think he could be a nice piece off the bench, maybe give them some of that versatility. And then the third guy I came up with is actually off the board, and that was Carlos Rosario from Washington State, who has not been good, but he has three years of eligibility left. He's going to Drake. Uh, in theory, he was similar body, similar skill set to Omax, uh, but the ball doesn't go in yet for him. Um, but that, as an aside, that was that was a nice pickup for Drake. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the challenging thing with Marquette with losing Omax is is the defense because like they were a top ten offense in the country last year, but defensively they were just okay and. Really, the only reason they were okay was their, you know, they forced a ton of turnovers. Like everything else defensively, they were pretty, pretty blah. And Omax is one of their better defenders. So, you know, it's 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 easy to be concerned right now about where they're going to be on that end of the floor, particularly trading off Joplin with with Omax. Um, I think they can play smaller, right? Like. I know, like, like smaller as in Ross at the four or Joplin at the four. I mean, Joplin at the four is kind of a given in the starting lineup, but that's not yeah. really that much smaller. I mean, Omax is big, but like, you're talking yeah, to that's like, fine. Yeah. Small, small in my mind would be like we're putting Ross in, we're putting in Ross in, we're playing one of Trey Norman and Zaid Lowry, who are like bigger combos, like. We're just going really, really, really like four, four straight up guards. The other thing is, I mean, they have they have Ben Gold. I mean, Ben Gold is, you know, Ben Gold worked really well as like a backup five to, to Oso, but I think you could play them together. I mean, Gold can really shoot. Oso is kind of perimeter gravity as a passer, but they. They do look just generally thin if you lose Oso or, or Omax, excuse me, up front with Gold. You literally have Gold, Oso, Joplin, and then Al Amadou. Right, so they, project, correct? Yeah, he's a top top 150. You know, they're they're new archetype. That's skinny, athletic, big. Has has some skill, but that's that's more of a long term guy. But this 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 roster, you know. Losing Omax is just screaming for a, you know, kind of versatile wing defender type with a little more size. And um, the interesting thing about when they took Omax was his freshman year, he barely played at Clemson. He wasn't a huge recruit. Now, he came from um, NBA Global. So those guys, as 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 we've mentioned time and time again, they just pop out, pop up out of nowhere. Uh, but I remember thinking that that was kind of a weird take. And then watching that U19 team he was on, where he started with Zach E and Ryan Nemhard and um, a few other guys who I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Oh, um, Caleb Houston was another one. But you know he he started on that team and I thought he he popped athletically. I thought you know he 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 hit a few jumpers. I thought he looked good. Um, but then I was also surprised coming into that year where he starts at the three. You know, thinking of him more as like a four. Um, and then this year moving to the four really accentuated his uh, mismatch ability. So the the point being, when they got old Max, when they got this NBA prospect, they kind of pulled him out of thin air. You know, he, he was kind of forgotten off the bench of a mediocre ACC team. So maybe uh, 
Shaka has a guy like that in mind who I'm just not thinking of. We shall see. Um, let's talk about some of those other big drafts looming now. Um, you know, in the Big East, UConn has Newton and Jackson. It seems like Newton leans back. Jackson leans gone. Creighton has Kalkbrenner and Alexander still in the draft. Huge, Huge decision. I mean, and both guys have really interesting decisions. It sounds like Alexander's probably like leaning towards coming back, but has the better stock of the two. Kalkbrenner's a little bit more 50-50. I thought I was at Priority Sports as Pro Day. They represent Kalkbrenner, Edie, uh, Kobe Brown, like uh, Terrence Shannon, like a lot of the bigger name guys. Like I was, I was, I was very impressed by how natural a shooter Ryan Kalkbrenner was. Like he was lining up and shooting threes with regularity, catch and shoot. Yeah, he can do that. He's just never aggressive. He's like right. too uh, too in the system. But if he could become a stretch big, I mean, it would change things for for his NBA stock. I I still think you know like I I still believe for the most part that they'll get these two guys back, partially because you know Creighton's going to pay well, right? Like, this will not be, oh, well, you know, we we we, we just want the money. Like, like those dudes are going to get taken care of. So unless they just don't want to be there, I, I would think they're going to be back. But that's those are two huge decisions. Um, You know, I mean, if Creighton loses both of those guys, like, what do they do? Pound the, you know, smash that panic button, add Caleb Love. That's what you're, you're that's that's do. that's the band-aid for these teams that lose somebody late. Just take Caleb. Cause like pe- people are still throwing out Missouri and, and Indiana for Caleb Love. Like, are we sure that they still want Caleb Love? Indiana should. Indiana should for the bit. <laughs> for the bit. <laughs> Indiana uh, Indiana team with with Caleb Love. I mean, first of all, Xavier Johnson's already been in the midst of a Someone slept with someone else's girlfriend controversy back at the Pittsburgh days with uh, McGowan's and Adis Tony. So he's no stranger. But like, we we seriously want a roster with Xavier Johnson, Caleb Love in the backcourt, and then and Baco renew and wear. I mean, I'd like to see it. It'd blow spectacular. It'd be entertaining. I guess they'd have plenty of athleticism to go hit. Hit the offensive glass, but well, yeah. Um, but those, those are the big, big East stare goes. We have, you know, not a lot in the Big Twelve outside of Keontae Johnson, and his stare go is really interesting because it's essentially made based on his medicals. If the NBA panel clears Keontae Johnson to play. I would fully expect Keontae Johnson to play in the NBA next year. But if they don't, I think he'll go back to K-State. So, I mean, if they don't clear him this year, I mean, he's never going to get cleared, right? Theoretically not. That's a, that's a tough spot, but, I mean, Kansas State – should should still have money for him. I mean, he'd be their best player, be one of the best players in the conference. Well, it's weird because it's like you'd be really bidding against like overseas because if he probably doesn't want to be overseas, you can avoid it, right? Like once he doesn't get cleared medically, it's like what's the 
there's not as much leverage. Right. You're not like trying to beat the two way. But so uh, I think the the upside here for Kansas State because th- they're also going after Malcolm Dandridge as well, I guess. But um, and, and also right, and that's that's what I was going to say is if they add Uday and Keontae Johnson in a best case scenario, and you got to, I mean that's that's a pretty talented group, right? You'd have Tomlin and Uday four five, Johnson at the three, and then a backcourt uh, with Cameron Carter who started this past year. And then Perry, who could shoot the lights out. So, I will say, if if K State pulls like Ernest Uday out of the sky and brings back Keontae Johnson, and they do this, you know, June first, being a Kansas State fan for the rest of time is going to be kind of miserable because every time you get mad, like, hey, you know, it's April April twentieth, we've been a little quiet in the portal. They'll be like, well, two years in a row, we just basically did nothing for like two months, and then all of a sudden we just plucked two studs out of the sky. And then we were right, the whole message board, every post will will be responded with like, trust Jerome Tang. Trust Jerome Tang, yeah. Talk about like the most useless form of conversation. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's there's a line from from The Sopranos uh, where Tony says to Paulie, you know. Uh, Remember when is the lowest form of conversation or something? In a message board speak, trust Coach X is the lowest form of conversation. No doubt. Um, one more Big 12 name worth watching is Kevin McCuller. I wanted I, to bring him up. I'm sorry to object, but I, I, I had this thought driving today home from work. Ray J. Dennis supposedly not going to go to Illinois now. Maybe he goes to Utah because of a uh, friends of a coach or something, whatever connection. So Illinois has this gaping hole at point guard. Once upon a time, there was a team with a gaping hole at point guard that just had a million wings, and we made fun of them. And they said, no, no, just wait. There's a man who will be playing point guard for us. His name is Kevin McCuller. And that Texas Tech team probably could have used the point guard, but they also, I think, made the Sweet 16, at least. Um, they had Kevin McCuller. They had Terrence Shannon. Uh, and that and that backcourt was good enough to get, like, a four seed. So, Illinois, that that should be the self to Kevin McCuller. It's like, you and Terrence Shannon can handle the point guard duties. It's been done before. So, it seems like all the Ray J suitors have all moved on to Zion Pollock. When, when I first saw that Ray J. Dennis wasn't going to Illinois, at least that's 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 what was being speculated. The first team I thought it was Baylor because they could still use a veteran guard. I think what's been really challenging for any for for Illinois and the Ray J. thing is I mean like look like really since like Portsmouth, which is when Tiger Campbell played Portsmouth, people were like oh shit, Tiger Campbell's actually not coming back to school. It's just been kind of like a, assumed that like Ray J. Dennis was going to enter the portal at some point. He was going to go to Illinois. Everyone knew it. And as soon as he goes to the portal, all of a sudden, like, you're just sitting there trying to outlast him. Like, it was it, it was a done deal. Like, like Ray J. to Illinois was a thing. It was This isn't all fake internet bluster. Like, they knew they were going to be having involved. They knew they were going to be But when you're the favorite and, like, you can't get the commit right away and you just let it fester and fester – 
all you're doing is giving more time for everyone else to negative recruit Illinois. Right. So it would be a big blow if they don't get him. I mean, obviously they'll be. I think they'll be okay as long as they get Shannon back. Um. But I mean, that's a big draft decision. Shannon's a guy who would probably get guaranteed money if he stays in the draft. But seems to be very open to returning to Illinois. I think he probably will. Would be the best player. One of the best players in the Big Ten. You know, they they need a point guard. I mean, they, they have some creative stuff they could do. You know, they have, you know, a young scorer and Draven Gibbs Lawhorn, who everyone's really excited about. They have Justin Harmon. They could kind of play like Shannon as like a point with like all these combos, like Damask and Harmon who could pass. They could just stick Ty Rogers in there as like a with, with Shannon and let him handle the ball some. Kind of in the Andre Jackson point guard role. We've got some stuff they could do, and they could be involved in the Zion pulling sweepstakes or something like that. But it's getting a little messy here for Illinois. Uh, and the longer you get to wait it out, it just gets trickier and trickier. Um, but that's a big Big Ten decision. Um, Chase Audige at Northwestern is a very big Big Ten draft decision. He's not but, back yet? What's up? He's not back yet? No, just Boo so far. What what is he waiting for? Wait, wait I mean, waiting for honestly, that Audige would be a guy who should probably just go get an IL bag. Yeah. But Northwestern supposedly paid Boo quite well. I guess Audige is waiting for Ed, Ed Cooley to give him a call. Ed Cooley. <laughs> well, that's the new bit now. Is it's instead of like next coaching coaching vacancies going to Ed Cooley, it's now next NIL spot. It's all Ed Cooley. Um, and then Cliff Omori at Rutgers and Zach Eady obviously would be the other one to watch in the Big Ten. There was one other one that I was waiting on. I made a list here. Aiken. Oh, um, uh, Anton Watson. Oh yes, he's still in the draft. Seems like he'll probably be back. There's a few marginal ones like Brandon Carlson isn't back yet. If they get Ray J, that's going to be like an interesting enough team. I mean, I still don't think it's that talented. And I know uh, the Weave guys have pointed out like the, you know, Mid-American doesn't play a lot of defense. This feels very Marion Jackson 2.0-y. But I mean, Ray J is a good player. If they had like a Davion Smith, Ray J, Raleigh Wooster in the back and Gabe Madsen in the backcourt and Brian Carson up front, that's a good, somewhat juicy-ish team. I mean, Matt guys have done well. Like Mark Sears was good. Yes. Um, sure, I could think of other ones if my brain were working. Not right now. Um, Chris Livingston probably gone. We think. I have no idea. I mean, Kentucky's so weird. They literally have ten, ten guys. Three are in the draft. Bradshaw thing's still looming. There's not really anyone they're connected to at this point in the portal. Uh, Spencer, right? Or no? The, uh, I think Adam Zagoria had put that out, that Kansas and, and, and Kentucky were going after Spencer. But. Adam, Adam Zagoria is not the most reliable source on the planet. Put it that way. Hmm. Um, but, Antonio like, Reeves is... is is an interesting one because I was thinking of him. If Andre Jackson left, 
UConn slide Stephon Castle to the three and put Reeves there at the two. Um, if Trey Alexander left, hard hard to do worse than Reeves. I'm sure. Um, you know, bigger football schools. I, I I mean, he would fit like everywhere. I mean, he 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 has good size and he shoots the lights out. He's a 40% shooter. I mean, he's like he's like a better version of what Davion Mintz was for Kentucky. Right. Um, and then Oscar. I guess he played well in the combine, but who cares? Because he still doesn't play well, any defense. He played well in the sense of like what he did that worked well in college basketball was also productive against other good college basketball players. But like it wasn't like an NBA success. And the other thing that was hard, it's hard with Oscar. I mean, like literally last year, Kofi had a double double in one of these games. Like at some point, if you're just bigger and more athletic than everybody else, you're gonna succeed. But yeah, Oscar's a big looming one. It's funny. It's very obviously Oscar's just you know been in the Kentucky vacuum and people love to like hate, but like Oscar was the national player of the year like a year ago and then averaged 16 and 14 and people were like ah whatever. Yeah, people all of a sudden became really concerned with pick and roll defense. Like a lot of big struggle in pick and roll defense. Like the one who gets singled out the most is Oscar. Maybe as you know, maybe as as you were saying, he's in the Kentucky uh, fishbowl, but did you just break something over there. Yeah, I just dropped my keys. My apologies. Okay. Well, uh, all right. Probably, probably the weirdest draft decision <laughs> is a Dylan Mitchell. He's in. He's not going back. So did he hurt his stock at the? Combine games, I think I saw he was like two for 12, right? Um, People who don't know how to scout thought he helped his stock a lot because he looked like he could shoot theoretically. Um, I don't, I still think he's very far away from being like an actual NBA contributor, but he's very talented and his development will probably be better served in college than pro. I mean, pro than college, excuse me. Right. My bad. Um, he's not. The, the level of prospect of like Peyton Watson from last year, right? Like, like, like Peyton Watson was a much superior prospect, right? I mean, Peyton Watson had a pretty high, a low floor though. Like, it, if he didn't go thirty third, he could have went like he could have went undrafted. Like Dylan Mitchell could go thirty third, but he also could go undrafted. I so think Watson went in the first round. But what's up? I think Watson went in the first round. I thought he went thirty third. Let's look. Who Google is for? I mean, Julian Phillips is kind of in a similar spot. Yeah, but Phillips was, was a way better player this year than Mitchell, right? Peyton Watson went 30th overall. He was he was better, but like not that much better. Okay. But Julian Phillips is an interesting spot where like I don't think it's out of the question that Julian Phillips would be like a top 20 pick if he comes back next year. Oh, I'd, absolutely. Between between weaker drafts and. Being a super athletic wing who's, like, one of the best defenders in the country, like, of course. But I also think that if he does another year where he's not very good or not very productive, then the, like, intrigue starts to fade. And then he maybe goes undrafted. I didn't even consider him for an OMAX replacement because it just he's feels so so unlikely. But yeah, that, would be the, unlikely. that would be the perfect type of player for for Marquette and Marquette could sell the OMAX development, but he's probably what Texas 
Um, Auburn was another one that people were mentioning, but Texas has that gaping hole on the wing. Correct. Texas is the logical fit with Julian. Um, one other guy that's going to be in the mix potentially portal-wise is Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson was, I would argue, maybe the worst player at the Combine. Grant Nelson is the perfect example of people like watching video like clips and not knowing like not watching full games. Because the idea of him, right, is it's like, oh my God, he's like ultra athletic and he's running running the floor and he's dunking on everybody. Like what Grant Nelson really is, like in an NBA game, or not even an NBA game, a scrimmage with potential second round picks, he is a pick and pop foreman with stiff hips. Right. He's like Mike Muscala. But skinnier. Yeah. Like literally all he did all combine was like pop, pop three, pop three, pop three. Like the idea that he's gonna like save him in season is crazy to me. Like Arkansas is not even recruiting him, I don't think. Oh really? Because I he's someone that I see like every fan base. It's like, oh maybe we could get Grant Nelson. Yeah, because the idea of him, he's the perfect fan base recruit. You watch him, oh my gosh, he's like six ten, he's an NBA prospect, he can dunk. And the fact that he played at North Dakota makes everyone think that they can get him, right? Yeah. Do the Providence fans think they can get Grant Nelson? Yes. Well, no, like, like, like when he hit the portal, like someone posted it to like the portal thread. I was like, why even waste your time posting this tweet? And then I, I, I was on the Georgetown board and think that they mentioned him. I. Seen a few other people on Twitter, I think, mention him as well. Yeah. The other SEC names in the portal we need to watch, though, are Co- – or not in the portal, in the draft. Kobe Brown, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, we went uh, Jordan Walsh, Javon Quinterly, and then Matthew Morrell. Matthew Morrell is like a freak, freak athlete. Like, there are certain guys, Brad, and you've obviously you, – you watch that basketball. This, like – just like the, the way that they jump, even on jump shots, is just like holy shit. Like they move different. Julian Phillips, or not Julian Phillips, excuse me. Matthew Morell moves very different. And he can really score it too. I think he's definitely been drafted. Morell? Yeah. Of course, I, I have not done the mock draft yet. So maybe when I run the numbers, I'll make I don't know if you get drafted. I mean, he didn't even get invited from the G League camp to the combine. But you, you, you can always sell yourself of that strategic. Uh, you know, yeah, someone was hiring you. Yeah. We will see. I mean. Does the third two-way third two-way spot start this year? Um. Yes, it does. So there's going to be more un, un, undrafted guys in, in the NBA as, as ever. I mean, that's 30 more un, un, undrafted guys being out of the roster. So. Sure, correct. And that, I mean, that's like a Charles Bediaco move. I saw Vecini say that he thinks he'll get a two-way, uh, which yeah, I think he's he will, huge. He moves, he moves well, yeah. 
I mean, three two ways is a lot. I mean, he's yeah, like like he's he's a guy you can develop. I mean, I think he should have probably just stayed. All right, kind of sh- shifting gears to to who who's left in the portal a, a little bit. I made like I'm calling it like my hmm list. Like you you see that name in the portal, you're like hmm, that could be interesting. Not all these guys are good, uh, but one guy who is probably on everyone's hmm list is a Damian Collins. Which it seemed like TCU was the thought. At least last week, I think people were hinting at that. But is that dependent on if Emmanuel Miller stayed in the draft? It could be. I mean, we talked about the Wichita State thing with um, with Damian Collins, right? Yeah. The problem with Damian Collins is he's the he, he's he's a great interesting role player. What about him for the OMAC spot? I don't know if he's versatile enough. I mean, he just comes in and guards. Do you do you think that you could play him with um Oso? I think so. Yeah. That would be interesting, yeah, cuz he's he's way more of a big man than OMAX is. Yeah. But that I mean, he'd be playing the four, really. Yeah, I mean, re- that's what he was in Kentucky. He's a straight four. Yeah. You you could move Joplin to the three and, and play Joplin with Collins. Uh, and, and also, I'm not sure how much you, you would want to do that with needing to get Chase Ross minutes and Sean Jones and all those guys' minutes. But, yeah, that could work. Let's see. Any other kind of big looming roster moves we need to hit on? I guess the Tyron Lawrence situation. He got a crystal ball to go back to Vanderbilt. I do think that's the most likely. I think I said that last week on the pod. I mean, how about Stack salvaging this this portal season? Yeah, he's late strike Van Allen Lubin. I mean, it's still not great. But you no, can but you're gonna bring like, back three starters. From last right. year's you, you you can squint at Ezra Mignon, Tyron Lawrence, Evan Taylor, Van Allen Lubin, and Lee Dort with Colin Smith started yeah. last year, right? Yeah, but I don't know where he where does he play unless you're gonna make Van Allen the five. Yeah, I think Smith four, Lubin five. Yeah, you could do that, but with like, and then you have Tassos Camateros off the bench, stretch stretch five. Yeah, that guy just fires threes. That was awesome. Yeah, that's all he does. He he he's the one stretch big in the portal that actually makes them. Uh, when I was watching the highlights and saw his stats, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't even know who he was. I, I I didn't know he was out there. I, I could have been pushing for Providence to take him. But he was he, he's a complete not athlete. I would see him all the time on the uh, on the T rank pages. Yeah, he it's shot like forty percent. Yeah, it's so sad going on the T rank portal pages like looking for new names. You're like, ah, oh, seen this one, seen this one, seen this one. This guy is like Philip Rabraka, but like two inches shorter and can really shoot, basically. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't. I think Rabraka has real game. I'm not sure Tassos does. I guess we'll that's a good. I mean, that's a whatever take. I mean, this time of year. 
and then that would that would that would fill them up. So yeah, they bring back three starters, add two portal starters. You got Tazos off the bench, Lee Dort off the bench, Paul Lewis who played some last year off the bench. Okay, they're probably middle of the pack again. It, it feels like Stack's a good coach, and he's a value add coach at least at this point. Not not a game changing coach, but a guy with a, a good roster will elevate it a little bit. So I think that's a nice a nice salvage for for, for Vanderbilt who are previously being floated as like the the big losers of of uh, portal combat. They were they still were a loser, I think. I was surprised Van Allen Lubin went that low though. Well, I think Slater was always hinting Miami. He's very talented. I know he didn't have a great year, but like he was one of those guys where you watch like right, it's obvious like what the appeal is here. No, definitely. But. And 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 he was he was a great recruit. He 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 can play the four and the five. He has skill. Yeah, that's a that's a nice ad. Um, so then we're we're still waiting on an Oregon Domino. We're waiting on still an Arkansas Ehab Amin, which could get put into action if and when Ron Holland makes a pick there, or or, or I guess if uh, Jordan Walsh leaves, then Holland just takes that spot. Um, a couple other guys who I was, hmm, in the portal. Um, DeMarco Dunn? I haven't seen a- a- anything mm-hmm. on him. He's kicking around. Mongolian Mike? Again. Does Pitt still have a, po- a spot? Who? Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, Pitt has one spot. They could use a veteran guard. Both their point guards are freshmen. They could also take Mongolian Mike. That would be a decent take, yeah, because they could use a a wing to come off the bench as well. I don't the like Papa Conte to Pitt was weird because they have Federico and Guillermo Diaz. And and obviously Jorge Diaz and Blake Hinson. So that was a kind of a weird take. I feel like everyone who like wanted another center is like drats. Could use this guy. Why is it gonna fit? Femi Odakale is still out there. Is that gonna be eligible? Yeah, he should just go back to see Noma. Or maybe he's maybe he's just going to a therapist for a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> like line it up. Uh, we got two interesting lanky shot blockers with Chidrak Nganga and Adrame Diong. Those are the guys that like were were big recruits. No one wanted them until like the eleventh hour, and now haven't seen anything on either of those guys yet. Um, Supreme Cook, who was Fairfield's starting center, he's a good a player. Good- he's like an A10 big. Yeah, had a good T-rank number. Um, people have been hinting at Seton Hall. It's a fine take for Seton Hall. Get bigger and more physical. Um, Ian Martinez, which was a really weird transfer. We thought he was going to start at Maryland. He's still out there. Uh, uh, Connor Vanover, seven foot six. Someone will. will uh, Take a swing at him. Connor Vanover. Illinois wants a, a rim runner. So you get Connor Vanover. 
it was funny watching his um that that YouTube account College Basketball Scouting does it where they put the synergy numbers up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's in the 89th percentile in cuts, and I was like, really? But the cuts are just like him standing on the block and the the, the guard like getting a you know one one foot in the paint and throwing the lob and him dunking. His 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 cuts require like one step. I guess that's a perk of being seven six. A David Jones, that's an interesting one. Theoretically, that's the sit. Right. Mike Anderson clearly hated him. You, yeah. you could tell from the mic the mic'd up segments. Oh yeah, that's right. They did that mic'd up game, and everyone's just like roasting how dumb Mike Anderson sounded. Whenever da- David Jones sh- shot the ball, he was like, "Oh my god, dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> he has said something like that when uh, after. Deep pull there by. I David saw. Trump. I saw Mike Anderson got a lot of positive pub for going to Isaiah Nyewe's graduation. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Meanwhile, he's suing the school for like fifty million dollars. He was also wearing a, a t-shirt, which I loved. Yes. No, but that's his look. He yeah. he does this like everywhere. He walks around in like a, a skin tight t-shirt and like slacks. <laughs> My favorite Mike Anderson story is like I saw him out recruiting at EYBL like last July. And I, I, I was standing directly behind where he was sitting. Like there's like one row of chairs for the floor, and then you know people stand up and behind it. So I'm standing right behind him. He's, it's like a City Rocks game, which means Elijah Gertrude was like their top priority target. And Mike Anderson spent the entire game playing Bejeweled. <laughs> I was like, really? Bejeweled? I already seen what he needed to. Yeah, he knew he liked Elijah. He's just there for to be a presence. He's like, I don't want to play with you. At least most guys are like texting. He didn't have anyone to, to reach out to. Um, we we didn't mention Louisville, who actually made made a nice addition. I thought with Tyler Johnson. Oh yeah, good good for them. I mean, look, how would you grade Kenny Payne's offseason? I mean, he got a ton of talent. I was going to say, like, A minus, B plus. Uh, on a strictly talent level, would you take Louisville's roster or UCLA's roster? I mean, I have no way of comparing these international kids. Right. I've never seen them play. But you could make an argument that Louisville's roster is, like, top 25 talent. Oh, 100%. I mean, they're so young and so unproven in the backcourt. But, like, you know, they're really talented. Honestly, like, honestly, if I, I, I was on the radio in Louisville, I'd do a show with uh, with them pretty regularly. If if Louisville went 12 and 20 this year, I think there'd be like some like sneaky like should Louisville be in the top 25 bus right now? And their actual record was what four and 28? Four and 28, yeah. Clint, Clint Parks got very mad at me that I said, like, he's like, yeah, it seems like these white folks want to fire Kenny Payne. I was like, well, no, no, like, I, 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 hope, I hope it works. But, like, we, we, like people are like, oh, yeah, like, you got to let him get his own dudes. You got to have a grace period. I said, There's no grace period anymore. He didn't – he ignored recruiting the transfer portal last year, and then they had the worst season, like, in the history of college basketball. I mean, if, if – if he doesn't like that 
Kenny Payne take from you. He's not going to like my Ben Johnson takes. Oy. But so I I saw some Louisville fans insinuate that they were going to get Caleb Foster. Well, which now. Right, we were we were talking about dominoes with Oregon and Arkansas, but Duke definitely has a domino still to come. I mean, right now Caleb Foster is like their 11th man. And, and if they get one of these bigs, either Sean Stewart or TJ Powers make the fifth big. Six if you include Mark Mitchell. Chris, what is Kristen Reeves there for? Is he a good student? He was supposed to register it last year, and he just didn't. So he's been like five minutes, and he was like, that's all right. I mean, he's huge. He's like 7-1 or something. Right, but they're just going to keep recruiting over him. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, Kind of like what I was saying with Zuby, Edgy of four, and Ernest Uday with Hunter Dickinson last week. Like, There will always be another Hunter Dickinson for Kansas. There will always be another Mark Williams, Derek Lively for Duke. Like they're never going to let somebody grow into that spot. Right. Also, yeah, even if they don't get a freshman, they'll just go take a transfer. Right. Like they're kind of in a weird big man spot right now. And they're like, all right, like Ernest Duday, you want to come? Right. Like they have Ryan Young, who has started across what, four different seasons at this point? Yeah. Uh, has been on NCAA, you know, was on their team last year, is, is a good player, right? They have Sean Stewart, who's a five star, who's, who's supposed to be like a small ball five type. They have TJ Power, who's a five star. They have Kyle, Kyle Filipowski, who, who's, who's going to be a preseason All-American all who can play four and five. They have Mark Mitchell, who's a 6'9", former five-star starter as well. They're like, eh, how about one more big? Like, if, if you are looking for early portal guys for next year, this Duke roster is going to be a goldmine. Between Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shu, Christian Reeves, Caleb Foster. EJ Power. Yeah, these 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 guys are gonna be looking around like, oh wow, like this five star who went to even like Kansas is playing and producing. Well, I'm s- sitting here getting splinters at Duke. Why am I doing this? But. <laughs> I I'd like to wrap up the show to discuss the. Mocked like the Twitter mock draft industry and the Twitter draft Twitter industry. Maybe I'm just seeing the wrong mock drafts, but I will say this three, four years ago, there was like a nice contingent of draft Twitter people who I mostly didn't agree with a lot of what they said, but it seemed like they they had like the right approach. We seem to have lost that in exchange for people who have very strange mock drafts like this one that I just saw. This fellow, this fellow named by the name of Cooper Klein, his his handle is at Ali Oop Coop. Um, he like like in his top sixty, he has F. A. Abagidi in there ahead of Colin Castleton, Jalen Shafino, Gigi Jackson, uh, and and Bobby Clinton. He's got. He's got like Jalen Slauson and Alex Fudge in the top half of the second round. And he's got Kevin McCullough as like a top 20 pick. Well, what are we doing here, fellas? Seems like the skill, skill de jour is uh, wing versatility. I guess so. Um, I will say, I, I actually think the Gigi Jackson prospect discussion is like the perfect descriptor of like, do you know how to scout or do you just 
watch guys and be like, that guy's big and can shoot. He might be something one day. So so you're siding with him on Gigi Jackson? Well, I'm I'm on team Gigi Jackson is like barely a first round pick. Like like Raphael Barlow and these guys are tweeting like Gigi Jackson's the steal of the draft. No, he's not. Gigi Jackson's a bad player. Gigi Jackson was a bad player in AAU. He's a bad player in college. Gigi Jackson will likely continue to be a bad player. He is big and can shoot and has tools that could make him theoretically good one day. That is why someone will draft him in the 20s. It is a lottery ticket. Gigi Jackson is not a good prospect. Well, so I'm I, I'm pretty much open to listening to whatever draft Twitter is peddling that day. The, the kind of turning point for me, I remember that someone had – you know, James Wiseman as like their 35th best prospect. And I was like, all right, like I could see 10th, I could see 14th or whatever, but 35, you're just doing this for show. But it turned out he's really horrible to the point where even NBA people have really caught on. Um, they're like these Warriors guys saying that like he was like the single worst player in like the history of basketball according to analytics and stuff. He was just like an absolute um, – like anchor to any lineup that the Warriors put out there. So, so maybe that that draft Twitter guy was wrong, putting him at 31. Maybe he should have been at like 131. Uh, but but I guess like the analytics were historically unkind to James Wiseman's tenure on the Warriors. So since then, I think I'm open to listening to anything. As long as you tweet screenshots of like top 200 prospect lists. I, d- I do enjoy just reading like the nonsense that people put out. You want nonsense? The for you on Twitter? Oh, it's wild. It, it's a it's a great tool because at you some point see- you you can't refresh Twitter anymore. Like there's no you know you just refreshed it two minutes ago and like you want more tweets into your veins so you go over to for you but my the, the tweets that i'm getting on for you i don't know where they're coming up with these it's like other big east fans like making fun of providence mine is all the east fans too it's, it's that it's um transgender people going back and forth <laughs> like this trans transgender lady saying that there's like no such thing as god and like that 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 tweet going viral and then like Matt Walsh being like transgenders are going to like destroy American society. I don't follow any political people at all. I, I literally follow basketball and, and, and like TV news outlets. Yeah. And I get, I get like St. John's fans being like, Oh, Kim English can't get any recruits. I get like UConn football discussions now about whether they should go to the big 12 or not. Oh, I've been getting a lot of that, yeah. I, I mean, I can go on to the for you right now, and 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 I'll read off some of the, uh, some of the tweets. I, I I'm not pleased with any of, any of what I'm being shown. Like, I don't think I've ever clicked follow on any of these tweets. I think a lot of my for yous just wind up being like, Curry, Hicks, Sage, and Shirley Donovan at the top. Yeah. I get a lot I, of Ant Wright in mine because I don't I don't actually follow Ant Wright. Oh, why not? I don't know. I never have, and at this point, I don't really want to. I, 
I have like D- Dave Portnoy saying Celtics in seven. Well, I also Dave have Dave Portnoy saying Celtics in seven. I have. I right now maybe because I I was not on Twitter during the podcast, but I I have a lot of people that I that I do follow. I have Ron Harper Jr. getting in an argument with Dan Dockich. I have Nigel James cut his lists. I have. Zelda, Zelda game. Oh, oh, this is a this is an ad. Zelda. I have I'm Illinois. Sure, I'm sure our listeners are just like absolutely thrilled to listen to us read our Twitter feeds aloud. It's either that or read off the portal or read off rosters. True. All right. Anything else? I think that's I think that's a wrap. We've got a. Big week ahead, draft decisions come, and then after that we can we can make a top twenty-five. It all watch any uh watch any uh, television lately? I, I started watching Suits. Never watched Suits before. I have not seen that either. But but you're you're all into like these like business politics dramas. Oh yeah, love it. Right, because your favorite show of all time is the uh, newsroom, right? The newsroom is right up there. Um. Power is right up there. I've been watching the the spinoff of Power Ghost. It's very good. Um, Do you watch all all three Power spinoffs? I have not watched Raising Canaan or the one with Tommy. Just the one with just the one with Tariq, book two. I haven't done Power. I mean, some of these shows that are very highly acclaimed. Yes. Like 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 Shameless is one too. Just like the fact that they have like eleven seasons is just like so daunting. Power is like six seasons, but they'll Plus like three eight. spinoffs. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't really need the spinoffs. You could watch Power and be like set. Especially also the other two spinoffs are not nearly as like compelling as like like Ghost. Like Book Two Ghost is like a pretty compelling spinoff, I think. You know, p- people were always ragging on Netflix that they want to cancel shows after three or four years, but like or, or th- three or four seasons. But like for a binge show, like do you see like. This this eleven seasons, <laughs> like oh my god. Oh yeah. But uh, I got uh, discounted AMC Plus with with you know through Roku, like two two dollars a month for two months. So I'm finally gonna start um, Halt and Catch Fire, which that that could be up your alley too. That's a you know, very you know, grounded business drama. But. Interesting. Well, I know one thing I'm about I'm about to start. I know you're interested in this. It's the uh the Alabama Rush documentary. You yeah, so I'm I'm not a TikToker. Oh, you weren't familiar with this. No, but my fiance is. I don't maybe because I, I I've never been a social media guy other than like basketball Twitter. But the way that these people like talk to presumably like their friends through social media posts, I find it, like, so cringeworthy. It's a wild scene. They're like, hey, y'all, like, I just want to say that I got this, like, dress at this place, and I was, like, feeling really tired this morning, and then I had, like, a coffee, and then I felt really good, and I went for a run. It's like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, you should be, like... In fairness, like, I don't think people make, like, I, I think most people who make TikToks like that are trying to blow up. They're trying to go viral. They're not trying to be... They're trying to be famous. They're trying to get people who don't 
know them to follow them. Not like like every other social media platform, like Twitter, maybe to like a lesser extent. But like you make an Instagram account and you like make Instagram content so your friends can see what you're doing, right? Facebook little content like friends, like TikTok, like to a certain degree, obviously your your friends are gonna follow you. You're gonna like especially if you don't have a lot of followers. But like the whole point is like instead of like an algorithm, like a like a like a chronological timeline of stuff your friends are posting, you're getting random shit from people you don't follow that are like, that you're trying to like like enough that you're gonna follow that account. So I just I, I wound up seeing all these like random creators. I have no idea what. The, what they're what, what where, where they come from but i i'm 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 enthralled by these like get ready with me's and whatever it's great the a real way to converse with 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 your friends is to be like hey do you see that san diego state got jay pal yes how does that fit their front court <laughs> hopefully hopefully the world starts listening to uh listen to us and 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 starts just analyzing analyzing the minutia of the portal um, which we will do for you guys every week moving forward and get into saucy content soon. We got the draft. We got U19 this summer, Brad. Very exciting. Yeah. We should get the pool of tryout participants soon, right? Pretty soon. Yeah, pretty soon. Any um any player in particular you really want to see? Hmm. Good question. Riley Kugel, if he's young enough. That's that's a great call. That'd be a great, be a great U19 player, like a breakout candidate. Yeah, he's still 19; he doesn't turn 20 until February, until November, so he could play. What about Donovan Klingon? Is he? Uh, Ooh, I think he's older. But. Yeah, let's look. But just like Although, dunking on centers from Tunisia, going for like 40 and 20. Let's 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 next week bring a list of guys we want to see in the U19 roster. Done. All right. We'll see you all next week with that list. Klingon's only 19 as well. He's good. So there we go. This should be fun. See you all next week.